hosts, both alike in vanity, in fair West Valley where we lay our scene. From ancient opinion break to new memory, where civil volume makes civil audio unclean. From forth the fatal thoughts of these two Johns, a pair of star-crossed podcasters talk their life, whose misadventured piteous opinions do with their jabbering bury their listeners' strife. The forgetful passage of their death-marked mind and the continuance of their podcast's age, which their verdicts end either harsh or kind, is now the one hour's traffic of our stage. The which if you with patient ears shut up, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to hold up. Tis clear this month you shall get Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Welcome to The Hold Up. Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years, watch it and decide, does it hold up? I'm John Nelson. And I'm John Longineau. And it's us alone again, naturally. Uh, hear ye, hear ye, Mr. Nelson, doth thou <laughs> readieth for the podcasting. It's the Ides of March, and we're doing <laughs> Shakespeare, Mr. Longino, and it's just you and me. We don't have any uh, special guests after, you know, the halls have been filled to bursting with special guests with our John Wick <laughs> catch-up. It, it seems practically lonely, just the two of us here. Yes, we're going to scale it back a bit, get back down to earth. Get a little theatrical, perhaps? Yeah. Now we're talking. Before we jump in, uh, you can write us at holduppodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us at holduppodcast.com, where we got our Twitters and our Instagrams and uh, all that other stuff. No TikTok, youngsters. We don't uh, we don't truck with that, because we're too old. Speaking of which, Nelson, I have, I have a very important announcement. Oh, good. I've been waiting all month for this. Friends... Romans, <laughs> countrymen, lend me your ears so that I might tell you that the contest is over. It's over. It's done. It doth. It end. is finished. What contest you say? Said no one. Said no one <laughs> except uh, one person. The contest that I had laid down the gauntlet was to get six emails, and our sixth email would receive a grand prize. However, we received one only email. From one Tyler Wong, Tyler, you have won. Yay! I said it last month. If no one else wrote in, Tyler would win the contest. Tyler has won the contest. We shall speak of this contest nevermore. <laughs> and uh, I will reach out to Tyler uh, uh, so you may receive your prize. Congratulations. Congratulations, Tyler, on being the only one who cared. <laughs> So now, all of you that truly deeply wanted to write in but held back because you felt it fair that Tyler win the prize, our emails are now open at holduppodcast at gmail.com. End of email, end of advertising, end of uh, self-promotion. Let's get to Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. Yes, Mr. let's. 
this, well, normally we'd go through the whole rigmarole of deciding, well, who saw it most recently and blah de blah All of this in an attempt to embarrass the person who saw it, uh, you know, f- furthest away and, you know, try to remember what it's about. But for crying out loud, it's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody over the age of 13 knows what it's, it, it's about. So uh, I guess we can uh, forego that and you can just say, hey, John Longino, Romeo and Juliet, the movie, what's it about? Well, here's what's interesting. I mean, in case you live under a rock and you literally don't know anything about Romeo and Juliet, it is one of the great Shakespearean tragedies of uh, two warring families whom each have children that fall in love with each other at a party and end up (laughs) dating and going on a wild romance and deaths happen and all sorts of crazy stuff goes on. It's it's a great classic tale. It's Uh, the ultimate junior high romance is what it is. (laughs) Yes. Uh, what's interesting about Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, from my memory, is, uh, th- and this has happened a lot, people take, like, Shakespeare stories and, and kind of retell them in a crazy way, in a different setting, you know? Right. I, I know there's, a like, a fascist Richard Third, or, you know, like, <laughs> a Macbeth's in space, or whatever, but, but in this particular iteration, Romeo and Juliet is told uh, somewhat modern day for the time it was made. It was like an early to mid-90s film. I think it was late 90s, was it not? Late, like 97, 98? Sure. And they go with, uh, even though the, the tale is set in Verona, Italy... Uh, it seems like it's set in Venice Beach, California. <laughs> yeah, the, I think it's Verona, California is, I think, what we're really yeah, talking yeah. about. Maybe. Yeah, it just seems like early to mid-90s beach bum kind of like hobo vibes going on. <laughs> it's, it's, of, it's almost, Well, it's funny. It's because it's uh, you know very 90s, but it's also got kind of a weird like 70s hippie vibe to it. Yes, but very extremely stylized. Yes. And frankly, very youthful. Like, it, it's it's a sort of immature, very, uh, you know, they cast, obviously, young starlets at the time, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, right fresh out of my so-called life, like, ready, ready to come play Juliet. And at the right. time, you know, th- this was DiCaprio, obviously a very known actor now. It, this is kind of one of his... I don't want to say first, but like very early. I think this is pre-Titanic. Is this it? Is, I mean, it's yeah, around Titanic for sure. It's like but... post-Gilbert Grape, pre-Titanic, <laughs> Leo, right. maybe after The Quick and the Dead. Like he'd been in some movies and he was definitely on Tiger Beat covers or yes. something. But like this is before he absolutely exploded in the world of titanic and and so yeah well titanic was 97 right so maybe this is 96 i want to say it was like 95 96 so it's like right around when he's about to blow up i only remember that it has to have taken place uh from the years of 96 to 98 because i was at uh, film school when this came out because I remember it being the topic of much discussion amongst our my friends because I was the doubting Thomas at the time when I saw it because you know I'd seen Strictly Ballroom which was Baz Luhrmann's first movie and I liked it but I wasn't like necessarily so trusted I, I didn't necessarily trust him so much that I was like oh well this is going to be great I was sort of like eh, I don't know and then the fact that it, they were John wooing it up with everybody had two guns and they were <laughs> yes. you know jumping in the air and shooting uh, off I was Nelson, like Nelson uh, they are swords please yes. get that correct well they are sword 
uh, brand guns. <laughs> yes. They call Fetch them me swords. a sword. Fetch my me a sword. sword. <laughs> but it's a gun with sword written on the it's, side. It which... might be one of my most vivid memories of the movie that they keep saying sword and grabbing sword and they're just whipping like yes. pistols and machine guns out. It's kind of amazing. Well, I mean, you know, I'm jumping to the conclusion here, but I was the one who's like, yeah, this movie's going to suck. I'm going to go see it and laugh at it. And I was the one that after I saw it, I was like, you guys need to see the Romeo. Oh my God, it's so good and so funny. And, you know, and I love the stylistic change he had made especially that all the swords were guns because i was like i'm gonna go in there and they're gonna be calling them you know they're not gonna say sword they're gonna you know but they went whole hog and i was like excellent i love commitment so yeah so i was the one who was like yeah you gotta see it. it's great uh so i guess um my other question is before we haven't have we done any shakespeare on this show i don't think Absolutely we have not i mean, <laughs> I mean the no closest like, we've come to is excalibur right sure we, we haven't I done mean, like Dick- by and large, Shakespeare adaptations, even bad ones, are like most often, unless it's thematic or something, you know, if you're using the text of Shakespeare, which this film is, right? how bad could it be, right? Like, they're, you know, right. William Shakespeare, one of the most celebrated, you know, poets and authors ever. <laughs> uh, so, so in that level it's usually not a, a hold up question really yeah it's so i mean it's sort of the question i, I we seem to be already uh, leaning towards which is well the text is good so the story is good uh is the style of the movie good is the acting good? you yes. know is all the accoutrement that comes with it good it's the so, sort of adaptation and choices made which are very from my memory really bold and out there outlandish oh yeah choices at Marcuccio, if I recall, is 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 like in drag dancing around. Yes. Doing full like performance. And it, it's wild. Like it is. It, it yes. is. This ain't your 60s Romeo and Juliet from my memory. Right. Well, and I mean, there was a lot of like stuff in it that, you know, I mean, I, let me go back a, a minute to my high school days where I first re- or my junior high days. I should say when I first read Romeo and Juliet, I had the best teacher apparently for learning Romeo and Juliet because the teacher said you know we would talk a little bit about Romeo and Juliet in the text and they you know she'd try and explain what this meant and that meant she'd sort of say afterwards okay what is what does this story sound like to you what do you what do you you know when you hear it what do you sound like and I was like oh you know love star-crossed lovers and they're like and the teacher said yeah but they're jackasses right the kids are stupid right (laughs) Romeo's in love with somebody else instantly falls for Juliet drops his other one like a hot potato tries to nail Juliet can't do it most and he finally gets to do it but it's you know forbidden they marry in secret and then they die because their parents can't get along everybody in this is stupid and young love is nothing but trouble and I was like well (laughs) and she said like you guys for you guys love is nothing but trouble there's nothing you know it's always ultra dramatic it's always overblown and that's what Romeo and Juliet are doing they're just taking this little tiny where if they just like kept their shit together they could probably carry on for months but they just have to blow it out of proportion in two days it just becomes this overwhelming like you know drama which is very you know teenage which I loved about that so then every time I saw Romeo and Juliet sort of done too uh, formally then it would make me go ah you don't get this play these are jackass kids, <laughs> not, uh, you know, half grown adults or whatever. That, so. That's interesting to have to be going to in particular this adaptation with that view of like, look at these dumbass children or that's the view of the story. I feel like I was at mentally and, and growth wise at the absolute perfect place to enjoy this movie as a teenager. Right. Like I was straight up in high school 
uh, freshman or sophomore year, you know, just had my balls drop when going to see <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, a total dumbass, you know, just like as you are describing. And that is what love is like at that time. It's a yes. little creepy and stalkery and, and like totally <laughs> irrational and, yes. and overly emotional and just kind of dripping with just sadness, honestly. <laughs> um, so so it was just a cool time to see that movie because I liked Shakespeare. And to, to be clear that this is not like the, my first exposure to Shakespeare or anything sure. like that. I, I read plenty of Shakespeare in school and I actually loved a lot of it. Um, Shakespeare's somebody who really spoke to me early on because it was like these depressing, fucked up, you know, <laughs> tragedies. I, I didn't so much, I, the comedies are fine, but I really liked the tragedies. Yeah. So this one is just unique. And most of the other tragedies are like, you know, here's the story of this king's downfall or all these adult men fucking up. Right. And here's this tragedy that that's youthful. Right. And, and and young and yeah, it's really capturing that young love. So I, I don't know. I, I saw this movie at the exact right time and I didn't have <laughs> I mean, I'll be frank. <laughs> I, I had been shown the sixties Romeo and Juliet, which everyone adores. Uh-huh. It's considered a classic. The Zeffirelli one? The Zeffirelli one. Right. Bored the shit out of me. <laughs> like I just I could not be more bored with that movie. It was the most like plain Jane boring ass movie <laughs> and i and with with shakespeare and I, everyone ha- like is aghast when i say that but i just didn't like it and then i saw this movie and i will go to the grave being like Boz Lerman's romeo and juliet is the best romeo and juliet ever put on beats the shit out of the 60s one it was just so fucking entertaining like unbelievably entertaining it's just yes ridiculous and every guns out and every it's super yes. melodramatic <laughs> sun's out guns out rain. yeah and you got like pete postledweight at you know as as the apothecary just With giving a like a giant the, tattoo on his back yes. a giant cross tattoo right yeah i mean everything was lifetime like, yeah like, everything was super stylized the you know the production design was amazing the you know the costumes everybody was just wearing just their colorful and vibrant and fun and every yeah, I mean, yeah the whole movie was like uh, an episode of project runway where it's just like everybody <laughs> was in these like right. eye blazing colors and everything was just popping and everything looks i mean boz lerman i don't you know maybe we can sidetrack to him for a second i don't know what do you think of boz lerman as a director well uh so you had mentioned having seen strictly ballroom and then seeing this movie i i still to this day have never seen strictly ballroom i think maybe it'll be you know maybe we'll revisit it and the show uh, in years to come because i've only seen it the once so i think i've only ever in my life seen two boz lerman films well let me guess what the other one was of course you know what the other one is yes (laughs) But I had two very different experiences. I saw I saw Romeo and Juliet, his version of that, loved the shit out of it. And I'll, I'll be on the record, loved it. Right. Loved it. Uh, and so I was like, this this is amazing. And then when Moulin Rouge was coming out, I was like, oh, this is the same guy that did Romeo and Juliet. I'm in. And I'm very split on that movie. Because mm. half of Moulin Rouge is almost as good as Romeo and Juliet. Great movie. The other half is like, ungodly trash <laughs> like which part is trash like unwashable shit like it's like half the movie i don't know it's all that's real he gets really silly in moulin rouge and the way yeah. you know there's like this 
John Leguizamo's like a narcoleptic falling through ceilings and everything's like right and it's just I didn't like it and for some reason apparently disrespecting Shakespeare with this nonsense I had no problem with but when it came to things that were really near and dear to me like let's say Nirvana I, I was I was like, please no, this is sacrilege. Just sort of like my my reaction to that. In Romeo and Juliet, the actual cast is really young. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, they look young as hell. Yes. So I could sort of go with it. I think in Moulin Rouge, like they looked like old people. Well, I think I mean, morons. yeah. It was, so it was Ewan like, McGregor and, and Nicole Kidman who yeah. were, you know, older at that point. So Jim Broadbent, a grown ass, like seventy year old man, <laughs> acting a damn fool. Like it just didn't. I don't know. What I figured out was the youthful expression of Romeo and Juliet worked for me, but just the like derp city silliness with right. grown people, I was I didn't like as much. So I don't. Anyway. It's been a long time. I should maybe rewatch Moulin Rouge. I think I'd actually still feel the same way because some of the songs are great. Right. Uh, but some of it's not so good. But Romeo and Juliet, across the board, A+. plus. Like, I got I got no complaints. <laughs> right. But where, where are you at with uh, Boz Lerman? Uh, well, Boz Lerman, I have seen three movies and a play that he did. I've seen basically his, his famous trilogy, The Strictly Ballroom, uh, Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge. And then on my honeymoon, when we went to New York for the first part of our honeymoon, uh, we did some theater. And one of the things we saw was Baz Luhrmann's La Boheme, which I don't remember anything about it except that it's exactly what you'd imagine. It's like, hey, Baz Luhrmann did a play. The stage is covered with glitter and confetti by the end of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's huge. It's, you know, in your face. It's very big. Uh, I don't remember much of the play itself. I remember thinking to myself of like, well, this is a lot of fun, but it's also like the least of the things I've seen of his. I, oddly, his movies are more... Uh, um, I, I, I internalize his movies more than I internalize his play, which is interesting. But also, La Boheme is a, you know, long-standing piece of work, so maybe it's just, well, I'm doing my cover song, and, you know, now I'm done with that. But um, I still... I may... I vacillate. I think I like Moulin Rouge, and uh, but I, I do think Romeo and Juliet is probably my favorite of his. I haven't seen Gatsby, so maybe that'll, you know. <laughs> oh, I forgot he directed that. I have seen that. Oh, film. you've seen Gatsby? Okay. I've so. seen Greg Gatsby, and obviously Leonardo DiCaprio returns to being directed by him. I did not like The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I actually would say I liked it even less than Moulin Rouge. I felt it was... But here's the thing. I ha I don't have a particular affinity for that book or I, you know, I read it in high school. I'm right. not that familiar with it. I know people love that story. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, I know this is completely off the cuff, but why do people love Gatsby so much? I don't know. <laughs> I, when I read it, I was just like, these are a bunch of rich assholes. Like, I don't like anyone, you know, right. so I just never really got it. But I, his, I would, his style definitely lent to that story. They're, they're big, huge, you know, parties and stuff. It fit. But I, right. I didn't particularly like the movie. Yeah, I would be. I should go back and uh, reread The Great Gatsby so I don't sound like a total idiot. But uh, anyway, let's go back to uh, Shakespeare. <laughs> I, I have no problem sounding like an idiot, but I'm on record. Great Gatsby, trash. Yeah, it's Great like, Gatsby's terrible. Fucking, fucking garbage, can suck man. it. Moulin Rouge eat a dick. <laughs> fucking Romeo and Juliet, baby. 
I guess the question is, what, when you first saw it, you were in high school, you said, well, you know, is there a funny story you have about seeing it the first time? Or is it just, eh, I went to the theater, loved it, went I home. I mean, is it funny to, like, be crushing on Claire Danes like a fucking sad sack of shit? Like, I, I mean, you know, I, I was up until Homeland Season 2, I was still crushing on Claire Danes. <laughs> <laughs> I know said that was the high school experience was like, let me, maybe that's half the reason I love the movie. Like, cause I, she was gorgeous. Right. It's really fun. I was a huge fan of my so-called life. Right. Had a huge crush on her already. Yes. And so, yeah, you put her in some angel wings and, and have her, you know, <laughs> behind a fish tank. And I was like, yeah, I'm all in on this. This sounds great. And, and I remember being pleasantly surprised. I, like Jamie Kennedy's in it, if I remember, as just one yes. of the random like cousins of Romeo. And I was right. this is coming off of, I think Scream had either like just come out or was about to come out. I I don't remember the timeline, but I remember he's in Scream as well, obviously very prominently. Right. So I remember that being a thing with me, like, oh man. It's that funny guy from Scream. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, and uh, uh, Leguizamo was Tybalt, right? Yes. The Prince of Cats. And I remember him, of course, from the greatest movie, the Super Mario Brothers film. That is my, <laughs> it's my exposure to John Leguizamo as a child. Now, uh, Mercutio was uh, the guy from who went to Lost eventually. He played Walt's, Walt's father. Walt's dad. Walt! Walt! Which is a very different performance here. Like, yes. uh, like an incredibly different. But I actually remember him specifically really being good i think in particular there's the whole like his death scene where it's like a plague on both your houses uh, right speed, yes like, he was great soliloquy. he was great he, like it. if i remember he kills that one like, yes it, he's really good in that um and uh brian dennehy brian and dennehy. Uh, oh what's and his paul name sorvino paul sorvino are the parents perfect the, casting they were wonderful <laughs> nailed it like like perfect casting yeah. yeah that's that's the line i actually remember most is brian dennehy being like fetch me my sword young woman or whatever <laughs> his fat ass in a limo like grabbing a, a, like a machine gun i remember and then yeah. his wife's like no stay stay your hand no not yet um well and i you know I, the thing i remember i mean there's obviously a lot we both remember about this which is funny because i haven't seen this movie in well over a decade now oh, but yeah it's been a long time for me too but one of the things i absolutely loved about this movie and i think what really put it over the edge for me of like oh yeah this guy really gets romeo and juliet the material is uh spoiler alert by the way for anybody who hasn't seen <laughs> romeo and juliet in your high school Come fucking on. class uh, okay, so at the end when, you know, Juliet is dead, quote unquote, she's laid out by the magic formula that'll make her look dead, but then she'll come back to life in, you know, a few hours. And then uh, Romeo thinks she's dead, so he's sitting over her fucking whining and crying and bitching, and he's about to take poison. <laughs> I, in the regular play, he takes the poison, he dies. And then a few minutes later, Juliet wakes up and goes, hey, I'm ready. Where's my boy? And then she sees his dad and's like, no. Uh, but in the movie, Romeo does his whining and moping, takes the poison, and then she wakes up. So she gets to watch him die. Yeah, that part's <laughs> insane. To me, I was in the audience because, you, know, you know, you've seen it a million times by that point in life. And just seeing that happen, I was like, oh, my God. And the an audience, like, audibly all of them gasped or like wept or it was just amazing because everybody knew what the difference was it was one of those few things that like everybody knew the source material everybody knows what's supposed to happen and this is a thousand times worse so yeah it was really uh that was a magic moment for me and and right after that too in the play she what is she either like stabs herself or drinks the poison as well i can't remember but but um 
What's great is in the movie, she just picks up his fucking pistol. Right. Puts it to her temple. It, like, cuts away, and you just hear this gunshot. And I was like, man, that is fucking hardcore. Like, I, I believe in the original, she uses his knife, uh, oh, worthy dagger or whatever. Yeah, and stabs herself. She sheaths it in her bosom. Yes. <laughs> this So this is, that's like, man, uh, that to me, that's almost even more powerful, like, just to self-suicide by gun it's like right uh one other thing in particular i remember specifically about the boz lerman movie and his style is i remember the the sort of editing and cinematography just being like totally crazy yes and in a way that was really cool and not just like wild shots and stuff but just almost like Koyona Scottsky montage, <laughs> like like just stream of consciousness madness, like you know, just super quick cuts of like doves flying and whatever. Right. Is this the film where they he adapts uh, when doves cry? Um, oh yeah, that's in this right. That's yeah. that. Uh, isn't that the. Uh when they walk into the church, the, like choir, the, the right? choir is singing. It's like a gospel yeah. version of When Doves Cry, which is like, so that's oh, wild. shit, that's wonderful. This is what it sounds like when doves cry. The soundtrack was huge. Yes. And it featured, I mean, it was a couple of different songs, and some of them survived and many of them didn't. But, like, there was the um, the famous one by Garbage, which was number one crush. I would die for you. I still like that one because I like that. Um, you know what they're saying is kind of goofy, but you know I would die for you. <laughs> but I loved hey, the checks uh, out. It's just and what's funny is like it's one of those things where you saw it in the trailer and the trailer made me love that uh, song because they just used it so well. And then they show it in the movie and it's only just like background music for thirty seconds. I'm like, oh, I was kind of expecting more. <laughs> What what really stands out to me is, and it's not even a adapted song. There's like this orchestral Carmina Barona, like all out <laughs> crazy, like orchestral big thing at the beginning of the movie, and they do the um, the whole sort of preamble with it, make it like a news story. I remember yes, that. There's right. like an anchor on a TV telling it, and they go through it, and you're like, okay, I guess they finished it, and then it just like goes nuts like, i remember text on the screen in fair verona and just just super hyper it's like editing the entire movie like a battlestar galactica episode or something where it's like quick fire like everything and then it goes and like rewinds and then it starts and i've always found that really fascinating about Romeo and Juliet, because, it, you know, a lot of Shakespeare's tragedies will just sort of start. But Romeo and Juliet, like they just he just puts it on Front Street. It's like literally <laughs> someone walks out. and It's like, yeah, these two star-crossed lovers die. Yeah. And, and their family is mourning them. Anyway, let's see their story. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> you want to check out some shit? Here you go. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like not even possible to spoil because the way the story is structured, it's like, you know, the entire time that they're going to die. Well, I just, there was something about the way that he just looked at it and he's like, I'm going to use every trick I can think of because I would say that's part of what the style is. It's just like, well, the scene would normally be this. What tricks can I apply to it to make it, you know, more interesting visually or more, you know, funny or make it visually pop? Just, he was just 
firing on all cylinders. And the thing is, he's pretty consistent through the movie. It's not like he starts out with like that preamble goes for five minutes and then like lets up. It seems like the whole movie is yeah, told no. with this like gah, 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 this hyper adrenalized. I think the only time it calms down is maybe during like love scenes. Like it, it sort yes. of kind of takes a beat and slows for them to like fall in love with each other. But everything right. else is like, what's up, cuz? Wow. You know, while they're like, <laughs> like knocking off liquor stores and shit, like it's, it's just crazy. Yes, it's a, a, a nutty film, but uh, I feel like we. <laughs> the funny thing is, we seem to remember this pretty well. I didn't, you know. It's, I know. It's, it's weird to be asking, does this hold up? But I guess I'm going to ask you, hey John, do you think that this movie's going to hold up since you remember it so well? <laughs> well, I I think it will. Uh, I I'm a huge fan of this movie, although it has been many years since I've seen it. Right. Um, but I remember really loving it. But I'm actually I'm really heartened to hear because going into this, I didn't actually know how you felt about the movie. But to That's hear true. that you were a big fan of it when it came out and uh you're my elder by a few years. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm just glad to know, like, oh, I wasn't just like a dumb kid. Maybe that's kind right. of my hope. Like like that. that No, I wasn't a dumb kid. This this actually was a really good movie. Yeah, well, I think it's going to hold up too, and I'm hoping that watching it will uh, will bring back some of that because that was, you know, an uh, an amazing time for me in real life too. I was, you know, in film school. I had only been in California, you know, at Los Angeles a couple of years at that point. Everything was still scary and terrifying, and I just remember everything felt very vivid at that time. So movies I remember more vividly from that time because they were all during this very like adrenalized time in my life. Like Seven came out like right after. I moved to LA and I'm like well this is oh, you know a bad omen but yeah I just remember all the you know usual suspects and you know all these movies that are around that time all these late 90s movies I just remember with this uh you know just this weird nostalgia because it's like well I was such a I was in such a particular place at that time so I'm I'm hoping it's still there I'm hoping the magic is still there because I would you know be disappointed to watch and go oh this is kind of boring. It's <laughs> worth noting before we start that this was going to be our February uh, yes. Valentine's Day month, but you and me were like horny car fuckers that <laughs> wanted to watch. We just crash, had, to, so. had to watch Crash, right? Um, so guys, happy belated Valentine's Day. But you know what? What I noticed, though, in our weird episodic numbering, it is episode 69. It's true. So maybe the fates just knew. <laughs> Let's leave it at that, okay? Let's uh, let's uh, go uh, get our swords, get in the you know. Fetch the... me yon sword, woman. <laughs> Fetch our swords, get in the carriages. Let's go rumble with the Montagues and the Capulets in Verona. We'll be right back. <laughs> Did my heart love till now? For swear at sight, for I never saw true beauty till this night. Seen two households, both alike in dignity. Throw your mistempered weapons to the ground! From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life. Who is it that you love? Gentle Romeo, of thou dost love, pronounce faithfully. My heart's dear love is set on the fair daughter of rich Capulet. Romeo! Thou art a villain! Sharing someone else's... Turn it off! Turn it off! Romeo's no tibble! Come 
love sprung from my only hate. Romeo is Venice! Maybe they will murder me. Let them find me here. Claire Danes in William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. We're back, everybody, from Verona. Hello, all. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Hello, Mr. Nelson. How are you feeling? Mr. Longino. I'm gutted. Honestly, like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, we all knew where it was going, so there's there's no surprises there, but I'm, I am surprisingly touched and emotional. It's, it's sort of hard to describe. Yeah. Well, that movie, uh, it, it's, it's interesting watching it for cinematic, you know, style and things like that all these years later, because it's like that front part just moves just like a bullet. And then there's comes a part like, you know, very, you know, uh, calculated, like the second that they meet, it screeches to a halt, like a deliberate halt. And then what's interesting is I sort of remember that the end of the movie was a little bit more maniacal as well. And there's pieces that are. But for the most part, once the movie kind of slows the pace down, it doesn't like pick it up that much more on purpose, which is fine. But it's just that I remembered so much kind of craziness toward the end and there's bits and pieces but the movie itself like once it hits that pace it sort of adopts that pace for the rest of the movie yeah yeah i mean it's definitely top loaded with the like signature boslerm and zaniness (laughs) and you're totally right like it's it's like once they hit the bathroom and or there's this i i it's funny as the scene started it like dawned on me i was like oh yes i remember this moment where there's this really clever thing where he's like playing with fish in an aquarium and there's like a men's and women's restroom separated by a wall of like a fish aquarium <laughs> right which is like well then why have a wall at all but uh... yeah i mean whatever <laughs> but it's this super like you said the whole movie we've just gone past the craziest part of the whole movie which is uh marcuccio gives uh romeo some acid <laughs> goes on a fucking like fear and loathing in verona trip you know where he's yeah, just losing was his hilarious because at one moment he's sort of uh he's sort of you know channeling rupaul and then the next minute oh, yes. he's sort of like spiraling he's like going down this hole and everybody's like uh Mercutio, you still with us there, pal? And he's just like (laughs) staring out into space with tears rolling out of his eyes. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things. The things I, what I liked about that moment, and, you know, there's other moments like it throughout where like everybody sort of sees the future at some point. Yes. It seems very faded. Like people seem to know their destiny and are just kind of marching forward into it regardless there's multiple times in the movie where i mean i imagine this is in the play as well but it really hits home in the film when they have these moments of like i see myself marching towards this because they will actually cut to later parts of the movie yeah 
as like pure i mean not even foreshadowing it's just straight up like flash forward like hey we this is coming and we all know it you know yeah what's what's the next step from foreshadowing it's just here it is yeah (laughs) fast forwarding honestly it's like yeah um yeah which which is a really interesting way to play it because you know everyone knows the end of this story so it makes those loving moments all the more heartbreaking because because the the scene i'm talking about where they first see each other for the first time yeah it the yeah the movie just grinds to a halt to allow them to and and these two actors i mean like leonardo dicaprio claire danes just what a hard thing to accomplish like to make me believe that these two people with just a look (laughs) <laughs> are going to fall madly in love with each other into a death spiral of love right and they fu- i was like honestly kind of floored like i feel like they totally sold it yeah like the the their playful looks and their just kind of overwhelming energy and i got swept up in this like super nostalgic just wave of emotion that hit me there was sort of along the lines of, I mean, you and I are, you know, we're middle-aged men. We've been married <laughs> for many, many years. Um, there is a real kind of love, a, a, a marital love of, of a spouse you've been with for a very long time, which is true love, I feel like. Right. But you sort of forget the, the love of youth, that just like overwhelming emotion slash psychotic you know, yes just obsession yes well that's exactly you said like, it kind of really like in the beginning you said they do this creepy stalkerish approach to i mean luckily they're both feeling it but even before this romeo is like crushing on Rosalind. oh yeah who, who's not returning his affections her. everybody's like dude just get over it and quit being a weirdo about it and he's like fuck all y'all and then he immediately turns his attention to Juliet, and luckily she reciprocates but it's like you can see where this weird obsessive thing comes from. He is just so obsessed with like love and being in yes. love and being yes. loved. And, and he sort of, it's interesting because watching the movie now from like, you know, like you say, being, having been married, having had a kid and, you know, sort of gone through uh, life a little longer and, and seen a lot of things. It's like, it's interesting to see the things that they focus on because you're like, yeah, I see the, I, I feel the dynamicism between them. And I remember that. And I remember the feeling of just like being in love but also being like it feels part of the excitement of it is it's so tenuous like i hope this person loves me they say they do what if they're lying to me what if tomorrow never comes? you know just all the fucking things that your mind you know the crazy shit your mind does where you can't depend on necessarily the other person feeling the way you do where you don't have that you know bond quite yet right it's it's like a thrilling kind of love be it be it either both terrifying and fun mm-hmm. and 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 overwhelming and and yeah tenuous is a really good way to put it like walking a tightrope or something like you you could totally this could all yeah. fall apart at, at the drop of a hat and then being so, separated is a big deal like every time they separate they know like well i don't want to leave you because there's every chance that this could fall apart right. when like, we're, we're just, separated this needs to happen now <laughs> but but that that entire sequence of like from when they met in the bathroom all the way to like what you know what light through yonder window breaks and the whole you know don't say you know till it be morrow you know keep the 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 famous scene 
the way it's done in the film, like I was just overwhelmed because those two actors are so good. Yeah. And the movie is does such a good job. I it was like watching like a a a flashback of a point in my life that that you know I've <laughs> obviously aged well past and and it was like overwhelming to me and I think also just because I was young when I saw this movie right I was a, I was in high school when I saw this movie I was definitely right in the same crazy zone of like pining and loving people for like totally illogical reasons <laughs> that had nothing to do with actually knowing them or like right. who they actually are well that's the best part is I mean they're they meet and within moments they're like do you love me will you marry me I yes. love you yep. and they're let's just, do this they are just like it's ramming crazy. against each other and not yeah. even just physically they're just like we this we've got to make this happen like right the fuck now but this this has never once happened in the many years we have done this show uh, there has never been a hold up episode where we watched a film that i literally wept at he's not like, lying i was weeping he was and which part was that at i mean i can't this is that whole that whole segment that whole, segment? That whole they okay. first meet they fall madly in love immediately. They're just, it's just overwhelming. They're like literal oh, the teenagers. You were, you balcony. Were, yeah. yeah. And it, because it's like, I don't know. It just, I've seen a lot of movies and, and, you know, I'm typically not like Mr. Romance movies, but this, I've never seen a film so bottle and just capture like that feeling yeah that energy it was, like a pure hit it was like looking into some magic mirror that like took me into that yeah and so i don't know i was just like overwhelmed like i don't so i have to come in <laughs> I, like hey we were we were talking very positively about the movie oh i remember it being really good i and there was no part of me that expected to literally be wiping tears from my eyes tonight <laughs> so i have to sit here and be like wow like i was not expecting that at all yeah well it was i mean it, i you know i was hoping for like i said that nostalgia to come back and that didn't happen it was interesting because i was like watching it with the the weight of years on me but i still was sort of like you say it's like you remember those feelings and i was like oh see this is interesting because it doesn't take me back to the age i was when i watched the movie it took me more back to the age i was when i was the character's age in the movie you know a young right. teenager you know pining after whoever i was pining after just being like oh man why when will i ever fall in love when will they ever notice me and you know just the and i loved the feeling of you know when he was happy like romeo is usually most of the time is is the vessel by which the emotion pours through this movie and when sure. he's happy the movie's buoyant and energetic and happy and when he is bumming out then the movie is oppressive and you know jangly and you know like you say overwhelming because mm -hmm. once he gets depressed that's when the you know the 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 hyperness starts in again and the hyping you know the 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 fast cutting and the harsh music and things like that so it's interesting that the movie just like takes that emotion and and not just the you know the love emotion but just the you know the the other emotions around with it the like the adrenaline pump of a, of just being a teenager all day long <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> right, which is why right. i'm sure teenagers like yourself responded to the movie because it's like well yeah you you're you're showing me my life right in front of me it's you know i i don't live in a castle but you know i do have these depressive feelings or these buoyant feelings all day so yeah i would it was 
really something. And what's yeah. interesting is in the beginning, there was a lot of like kind of goofy shit like you were talking about with Moulin Rouge, yes. actually. Yes, there's definitely some goofy stuff at the top. And, sure. and I had kind of forgotten about that. And so when that stuff starts up, I'm like, oh, is there more of this in this movie that I just kind of forgotten? Because, you know, I remember it being in Moulin Rouge, too, but it doesn't affect my like enjoyment of that film. But there was a lot of goofy shit near the beginning. And then that kind of went away. So I was like, oh, good. I hadn't forgotten it. It just is up it's front loaded but like yeah there was that moment i was like oh no oh no don't don't do this <laughs> no no it's kind of right around when john leguizamo rolls in cowboy boots and all yes. and is uh you know pirouetting around with his revolvers well it was like a robert pistols. rodriguez film for like two minutes it was Definitely. cut like a rodriguez film it had the weird like nonsensical feeling of a rodriguez film where people would like holster their guns and then re-pull them just to show that they could do it <laughs> yes. you know what i mean or they flip With them like, in the air knock off ennio morricone music just yeah. like blasting and yeah. i mean this is all in the middle of a gunfight you know john leguizamo's <laughs> doing like you say pirouettes and he's dancing the other guys are like whooping and hollering and like getting hit with other you know and you're like what am I watching? What is this Three yes. Stooges bullshit? There's like an old lady hitting Jamie Kennedy over and over with a bag. He's very, I mean, understandable. He's a comedic actor and obviously they hired him as such. <laughs> but he was in like an SNL kid or something. Like it was, it was definitely wild. That one guy, the other cousin who I don't even remember the name of is in like Wet Hot American Summer. Another oh, right. comedy guy. He's in like Stella Shorts and that kind of thing. Well, and there was a lot of like uh, we had forgotten Paul Rudd was in it, and in, you know this is around the Clueless <laughs> <Right>. era. <laughs> I forgot that Paul Rudd was a timeless vampire because right. he looks like. I mean, obviously he's younger, but like, but that's the thing in con in contrast. Like Leonardo DiCaprio looks like ten years old, right? And then Paul Rudd looks identical to now <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a little fresher face but that's about yeah. it paul well, rudd's I, been 40 for like 70 years i don't know what's going on he even he had this tiny role he played paris which is like juliet's alternative love interest that everybody's trying to push her towards he is you know you can just see the paul rudd that we know coming out because like every so often he'll you know he's going through the motions that he's you know that everybody else is going through but there's a comes a point where he gets this like look in his eyes he's like uh-huh and he, and he just does his like some little like shtick or just like a little you know uh, thoughtful actor thing and you're just like that there he is there's the paul rudd we know because he's playing a very straight role he's like a pretty boy and it, you know, i was saying to longino during the movie it's like this reminds me of his entire like career because like when he was that age they were pushing him so heavily as like a leading man he's like he's the pretty leading man oh, yeah. and he himself seemed to be like i don't know i kind of really i kind of feel like i want to be funny dude i want to hang out with comedians and do that and you know got his wish because now he's like you know one of the also biggest in wet hot american summer so right we got we got in two of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> he was great um i mean he had a tiny role but he would there was even like a moment where like juliet's like after she's met romeo and she's like you know smitten with love and she looks over at paris and paris is like watching the fireworks and he turns to look at her he's got like a <laughs> like look on his face super goof troop face yeah, yeah it it's like and it's so funny because like paul rudd understands like yeah this guy is again he's just a, a dweeb and he leans into it so hard he's not afraid to look like an idiot which is you know just so great anyway he was awesome and i by the way a minor correction i think i stated before we watched the film that pete Postlethwaite played the apothecary uh i got confused because he's like showing vials of poison the whole movie but he is of course 
the friar, right. the priest, and then uh, M. Emmett Walsh was the <laughs> apothecary doing his most M. Emmett Waltish as he does all the time. Oh, but I, I, I remembered Pete Postlethwaite being good, but not only is he good, he's like extraordinarily good and I think lends the movie a lot of legitimacy. Yeah. Because well, no one's done that fucking dumb part like better than this that i've seen like he yeah. was great well he's playing it like exactly like he's giving it the seriousness it deserves but he again it's kind of a dumb idea to give these kids such agency in this situation right. because they're controlling everything but acting like they control nothing and then the priest is like oh yeah well this sounds like a good idea to pretend that she's, you know, it's not a good idea to go to the parents and say, look, okay, I married your kids in secret, okay? You can't you can't marry off your daughter. She's already married. Now, how about mending fences, okay? No, he's like, well, maybe if I pretend she's dead. <laughs> and then we cook up this It's like the king of half-baked shitty schemes, basically. <laughs> right. It's, it's a, yeah. And uh, and I like the, um, the nurse part, too, because... Hers is a tricky role because she's got to be like, oh, Juliet, I love you and I love your boyfriend and oh, this is great. But then she's got to be able to turn on a dime and be like, ah, Paris is better. Your dad's getting you a better match. And, you know, that actress was quite good, too. I think she if I remember, she's in the Harry Potter films as like the herbology professor. I believe. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And she's definitely like this character actress. I don't recall her name, but like you would you would look at her and be like, oh, yes, of course, I've seen this person in a lot of things. Right. But she was that's a tricky role because it's like sort of half comedic relief. Like, yes, that's hard to play. But she did. She actually did quite well. well it, I, that's the thing is, I think it, it in Shakespeare plays. It's like, yes, she's the comedic relief because there's not a lot of, you know, clowns or, you know, Mercutio right, sort of right. fulfills that role. But again, in this movie, he's like, hey, I'm a clown. But I'm a sad clown. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whereas, like, you know, the nurse has just got to be kind of goofy, but she's not really, you know. I, it, it's interesting that even the clowns in this one get serious. I mean, I know that they do in a lot of Shakespeare's tragedies. The sure. clowns always end up, like, saying something, you know, <laughs> deep. and <laughs> You know, they're, they're all crying <laughs> on skull, the inside. skulls in someone's hands, <laughs> yeah. basically. But, yeah, well, exactly. To me, my biggest takeaway, what I was really surprised by was, you know, I had come in with a with a feeling that this I had liked this because I was in high school. Right. And I feel like this movie kind of gets a not a bad rap, but just sort of a like, oh, it's silly kind of rap. Mm. I think especially because of that top loaded, you know, gunplay nonsense, which is which is very three stooges silly <laughs> so i can see someone going oh, come get this out of here but like the the takeaway i i'm like really surprised that how the the, the sort of craft of it like it oh, it's, yeah it was everything i remembered and more honestly like i was really impressed watching it and there's a sensibility and a and a and a sort of direction to it that is frankly like a little ahead of its time like it seems more in line with stuff that's happening many years past this came out in 96 yeah 1996 <laughs> 25 years ago yeah it feels like it, it this could have come out you know relatively recently i mean obviously all the actors we know are much older but like the sensibility and pacing and style of it is is like a 2000s 2010 movie you know like way past when it came out 
Yeah, and what's funny is uh, when we were watching that beginning part, when we were looking, you know, when I was looking at the editing, and we had talked about like, if, will the editing still seem hyperkinetic, or will it seem like, oh yeah, we're kind of past that now, because that happens with editing a lot. What seems yeah. super fast, you know, what they used to call MTV editing would put you to sleep now. But this was not that. <laughs> that pacing at the beginning, I was like, well, this is hyper even for now. There, you yeah, know, it's still nuts. It's like, like in, in this world where, like, cuts last only a second, they were, like, you know, cutting in frames. And, you know, there was... It was really uh, paced at the beginning. Yeah. So I was... Uh, so, so it was even more impressive to me when like he figured it's like well he knows when to you know keep it speedy and when to slow it down and i was like well that again yes. didn't happen a lot with mtv editing it was just like push through and that was it and understandably because it's boz lerman this comes to the forefront but the, but the sort of costuming mm -hmm. and set design and everything about that is just really top notch like you know lot tons of like christian imagery and just yeah. neon crosses as far as the eye could see everywhere <laughs> at any moment and right you know mary candles and statues and just like i think about as low rent as it looked was like the quick helicopter shots of clearly los angeles like right. other than that <laughs> Well, it's really made well. The thing that's interesting to me is like not only is it smart in the way that it's like, you know, the pacing and the production design and things like that. It's also clever. I mean, it's a weird to say that it's smart and clever, but things yeah. like, you know, the guns being called swords. It's like to me, that was clever. And then like every time you'd cut to like an advertisement because they would quite often like pass by billboards and you'd get like a yes. quick glimpse of the billboards and it's like Montague uh you know industries or whatever or it would be, it would sort of like take the play that you know it would take the details of the play and flesh them out to like well this is how it works in this world and like and there was one where it was like the the gas station was called like Phoenix Oil and there was a quote from like it's lighting up your light it was like half a Shakespeare quote or something like that. I don't know. There was just a lot of that kind of stuff in there where it's like I think I saw one billboard said Prospero something, which obviously right. is like a different different play. Yes. Uh but that that's clever. Yeah, it's sort of even in the way background, just random imagery and, and lettering and words, it's clearly someone spent a lot of time designing all that stuff <laughs> right and well, it was because, it was appreciated well because part of it is he would use those things to tell the story sometimes and in other times it was just flavor but it'd be like sometimes you know like at the beginning where they're talking about you know in fair verona or in you know you cut to a sign and then you cut to a this and you cut to the capulet montague and here's the two buildings that they live you know that they do business in right. and here's this you know and it was interesting the ways that like i mean obviously someone was like yeah, it's almost like they wanted to say yes we understand Shakespeare. We understand it so well. You know, we know the rules of Shakespeare so well. This is how we're breaking them. It's it, it really was like everybody chill. You know, all you experts get off our backs. This is you know, we know what we're doing. Just just trust us. And, you know, I feel like it immerses you in a in a interesting way that a lot of Shakespeare, you know, there's always that language barrier and there's always the barrier of like most of Shakespeare, they have to tell you what's going on and you have to be brought in by the dialogue and the, and the storytelling. Right. Whereas they decided obviously with this one, it's like, no, we're going heavy visual. You're getting the whole story as quick as we can get it. You know, we made a play into a movie basically <laughs> in a way that most Shakespeare adaptions don't. Mm -hmm. And and the direction on the acting and the reading of the lines to me is is really clever because while it's highfalutin middle english language 
everyone is delivering the lines and acting just authentically naturally and it really lends itself to even if you don't have an ear for that kind of language you can pick up on you know brian dennehy like <laughs> sighing and rolling his eyes back and delivering the like throwing lines away and 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 say, you know this is a movie where they go romeo you know like it's just like it's not taking itself so seriously yeah and, and in a way it frees it up to feel honestly like a little more authentic like right. it's, it's not so like you are here to see the shakespeare show you know it's like very natural which i like well and i'm guessing they would ask themselves it's like well shakespeare would probably like this right they would he would like you know for example one of the ones i always think of is mercutio when he's talking to like tybalt's come looking for a fight and he said i want a word with you and mercutio says oh how about a word and a blow and it's obviously <laughs> from the text it's like he means hey how about a word and a fight and in this, yes. he's like, how about a word and you suck me? <laughs> and I was just right. like, that's fucking hilarious. And I'll bet you that Shakespeare would look at that and go, yep. <laughs> yes. A-okay with me, baby. Or there's that's like great. ways where Pete Postlethwaite was just like, stop thinking with your... And he's like, has a pause. He's like, eyes. <laughs> he obviously means dick. Like, right. you know, it's like, he's just like, you're a young, horny fuck. Like, but yes. it's the same thought. Like, oh, don't stop looking at this pretty lady and think with your brain. But I yes. like that. It. It's like, well, there was yeah, one. Yeah, it's clever. Yeah. There was one where Claire Danes is like, you know, they've done the, the balcony bit and she's like, oh, I got to I got to go back inside. I got to go to bed. And, and Leonardo DiCaprio says, but would you leave me so unsatisfied? And she turns around and says, <laughs> what? I forget the line. But it's like, what hope do you have to be satisfied tonight? Like, gee, Jesus, <laughs> right. we just like, met. how dare you basically? <laughs> and he's she's like, like, she's like, are you asking to fuck me? Is like basically the look she gives. He's like, you know, what is this DTF shit? And he's like, no, no, I mean, leave me unsatisfied that you, you know, don't agree to marry me. He's just right. like, oh, that's fine. I'm not going to have sex with you, but I'll agree to marry you. <laughs> they were also clever in that scene, too. The scene in which I weeped because they did this thing where they, you mentioned this uh, before we watched about how they did this trick where like Romeo takes the poison, but Claire Danes wakes up and like watches him die, which is sort of a kind right. of a twist on a scene. Very standard scene that people have seen a lot. And in the same way, the the, the yonder window breaks scene you know, wherefore art thou Romeo scene, we've all seen a million times and everyone has in their mind like he's looking up at a balcony in, in a, in a right. window. And they pull this trick where he's like looking up the window, can't wait to see her. And then the like nurse walks out and he's like, gives it like a, uh, you know? and then she like comes out of some elevator behind him. Right. She's on the same level as he is. Yeah. And you've had this thing where that scene's always high and low and like these huge they're so far away from each other right and they do this scene where they're by a pool and he's literally like a foot away yeah just hiding and now how she doesn't hear or see him that makes no sense at all but who cares and <laughs> and that's like they were really smart at like taking the really cliche time honored like you know this by heart stuff and doing something to kind of make it fresh and new yeah and i thought that was cool and to top it all off, this is to me, uh, you know, again, being a grown person and maybe looking at things a little differently, but it was funny to me that every time they talked about each other, they generally talked about their looks. 
usually was like, sure. oh, her looks are like the fire of the sun. Or when he thinks that she's dead, the first yeah. thing he says is, oh, man, well, death hasn't made you look any worse. Wow. Am I am I right, fellas? You're not conquered yet, baby. <laughs> Basically, it's like you're still hot. And I'm, yeah. Man, if you weren't dead, oh, the things well, I could literally, do. Literally, what else did they have to go on? They, like, barely had so much as three conversations. Like, All right. Well, uh, this seems to maybe a foregone conclusion, but uh, sure. hey, John. Did you like it? Did it hold up? <laughs> yes, it did. Not only did it hold up, it it was exceptional. I mean, I you know, I I don't want to throw around. Well, here here I, I guess I am. Here I go. I I'm gonna call it a masterpiece. Honestly, like oh. I, I you know I might get shit for that, but I do not care. Like I think this is one of the best Shakespeare films. Period. Like, I, I, I love this movie. And I was so pleasantly surprised to find that not only was young, dumb high school John uh, <laughs> on to something, it, like, this movie really shaped a lot of, like, my style and, and just kind of sensibilities. And it's just so fucking entertaining. Like, also, foregone conclusion, I loved it. I had a, a great time watching it. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to add. This is such a, it seems such a gimme this time around, but, you know, it has to happen sometimes. I feel like we've seen, like, four great movies in a row. <laughs> we just watched all the John Wicks, and now we're watching, well, it, you know. It's always refreshing when your memory matches. Like, I there there is very easily a world where I'm like, man, Romeo and Juliet, that was so great. And then you hit play, and you're like, oh, my God, this is so bad. Like, yeah. I was half ready for it, and, and it's cool when it's like, oh, no, no, this is still great. And not only was it great, it was great in 96, it's great in 2021. Like, yeah. that's pr that in and of itself is pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah. Well, when I think, you know, we were, because, you know, when we were coming into it, I think we were thinking completely of the style in the beginning, you know, that hyper yes. anxious thing in the very beginning. I'm like, well, the whole if the whole movie's like that, it's questionable whether it would still be good after all these years. But again, what we were remembering was the style, you know, but not the, the pauses and the breaths and things like that. So it's interesting that like, you know, what your memory, you know, what you what you remember years down the road and what that does to your appreciation of a thing, because yeah, I was I was ready for that like goofiness that Jamie, you know, Jamie Kennedy being hit over the head. I was like, oh, I bet this movie is going to be full of this, and it's all just kind of goofy. But no, it was just a moment, and it went away. So, yes, I had a I had a great time watching it. I suppose now we got to get a stinker in here so we can. Really <laughs> well, we had crash. Well, hey, so. <laughs> my my uh, well, my picks up, uh, Nelson. You're 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 up to the plate here. What you I got? know. Well, I'm going to completely flip the script on y'all. We're going to go a completely different direction. We've gone from romance and uh, modern day Verona. We're going to go to the future in sci-fi. We're going to watch. <laughs> 2010 <laughs> the sequel to 2001 i the year we make contact the year we make contact this is exactly the movie this podcast was designed for <laughs> so uh come back in april when we do 2010 the year we make contact in the meantime if you want to write us and uh, tell us how uh, amazingly right we were about Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet actually Boz Lerman's William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet you can write us at holduppodcast at gmail.com or go to holduppodcast.com and click any of our links to Instagram Twitter and or Facebook thank you so much for listening everyone and until next time nobody move nobody gets hurt